Are we going to hell? Do we even know what it is? What happens after life? Is there life after death? What do we know about life after death? First thing, life is alive. Life lives. Life can't die. Just like death can't live, life can't die. Living things live. So the question, is there life after death? It's a nonsense question. Is there death after life? Can a living thing die? That's a good question. And the answer is no. No, it can't. So what happens is this. The soul that is a living being enters the body and the body borrows life from the soul. Because inherently the body is not a living thing. The soul is a living thing. And when they separate and go their own ways, what happens? The body returns to dust. From dust you are and to dust you shall return. And the soul goes back to being a soul among souls. You can call it heaven or you can call it hell. But you're describing the continued life of the living soul. So is there life after death? What dies is dead. What's alive lives. So what lives? What lives on? Every aspect of your life, your emotions, your memories, your relationships, your wisdom, your knowledge, your pains and your pleasures, they all live on. Because they are all aspects of life. And life only knows how to live. Life can't die. There's a beautiful poem, if I can remember it a second here, from a famous poet. Life is true, life is real, and death is not its goal. From dust you are and to dust returneth was never said about the soul. So from dust you are and to dust you return, that's the nature of the body. It is not a living thing, it goes back to being a mineral. The soul, on the other hand, always was alive and will always continue to live. So when we say Kaddish, when we say Yisker, we are in relationship with a living being that is as real, if not more real, than a body. In fact, the reason most Jews will go to Yisker and they don't go to any other tefillah, any other davening, is because the soul for whom they are saying Yisker will not allow them to stay away. Whatever strings they have to pull up there, they'll do whatever it takes to get you to say Yisker because they need it. They need your Kaddish, they need your Yisker, they need the tzedakah you give on their behalf. They're very much alive. Can't be otherwise. Life lives. But let's look a little bit about 
how this thing actually works. What is hell? A guy goes on a long journey to seek his fortune, because at home he's not making a living. So he sets sail to find some fortune elsewhere. He's shipwrecked on an island. He wakes up on the beach, and there are diamonds everywhere. He gathers them up and rushes into town and wants to buy something with these diamonds, and they laugh at him. They say, diamonds aren't worth anything here. They're all over the beach. Here, what we use for money is onions. They're scarce. So he settles into this new life, earns many onions, becomes very wealthy, multi-onionaire. <laughs> and after many years, he thinks it's time to go home. He builds himself a ship, loads it up with all of his wealth, all his onions, and sets sail for home. Getting home took over a month. By the time he gets to the harbor, the onions are getting a little... a little odorous. He pulls in, can't wait to show his family how successful he's become. And they take one look at this cargo and they say, this thing stinks. This is horrible. What did you bring here? We don't barter in onions. Same is true with the soul. The soul comes down to earth. In heaven, it knew about diamonds. On earth, he comes down and he says, the soul says, let's do godly things. Let's amass a lot of godliness. And the body says, we don't deal in godliness here. Here we deal with tomatoes, potatoes. Soul gets used to it. And eventually amasses a great wealth of onions, potatoes, tomatoes, and such. Now the soul leaves the body and goes back to being a soul, and he comes to heaven, and it smells of onions. That's hell. When a soul comes back to the world of souls and doesn't smell like a soul, that's hell. The fires of hell in which a soul burns has got to be the fire of shame. It burns with shame. It's the only, sh it's the only fire that a soul can feel. So the shame can linger for a maximum of 12 months. Being in heaven for 12 months, that smell wears off because it's only physical. How long can it last? By the end of the year, after 12 months, the soul is clean. It's a neshama among neshamas. It's now sitting in heaven. Those 12 months are basically a cleansing, refreshing process where the soul peels itself away from the memories, the sights, the smells of the physical world. We say Kaddish for 11 months, 
because that adjustment is eased and made smoother by our Kaddish. We say it only for 11 months because we don't want to insult any soul by suggesting that it needed the entire 12-month cleansing. But just in case it did, we say 11 months. After that, the soul is at peace, comfortable in heaven. Now, some souls come back to heaven after 120 years, and it's as if they never left. That's called going straight to Gan Eden. The mourning period, which I think is very fascinating, there's the seven days, the 30 days, the year. In the seven days, the first three are more intense than the last four. Why is all that? Mourning in Torah doesn't mean feeling sad. Grief in Torah doesn't mean being in pain. The Torah tells us what the soul of the departed is going through. And we, being empathetic with the departed, share its experience. When it's in great pain, we grieve intensely. When it's getting more comfortable, we grieve a little less. When it has become completely comfortable, then we stop grieving. Because grief is not about us. Grief means don't let go of the soul, remain in touch, and share the soul's experience. So the Torah tells us the first three days after a soul leaves the body, that wrenching change is most intense. The next four days is a little easier. At the end of seven days, it has settled in to its experience in heaven. And that's why you are obligated to get up and put an end to the, to the Shiva. Sitting Shiva means seven days and not an hour more. Because if you start to grieve on your own, if you're not reflecting what the neshama is experiencing, this is not the real grief. This is feeling sorry for yourself, which is fine, but it's not a Jewish ritual. It's not a mitzvah anymore. At the end of 30 days, the soul has made a, another step into settling into heaven. And so at the end of 30 days, we lighten our grief even more until the end of the year, and by then the soul is in heaven, what are you grieving? So it's an amazing and beautiful thing that sitting Shiva and mourning the, the, the death of a, of a loved one is really in consideration of their experience, not feeling sorry for ourselves. The Rebbe said something really emotional and, and profound one day. He said there's a custom 
on Pesach, when you ask the four questions, you preface it by saying, Tate, ich will bei dir fragen vier Kaches. You address the questions to your father. And the tradition is that even after your father has passed away, at the Seder, you continue to say, Tate, ich will bei dir fragen vier kashes. And the Rebbe became very emotional when he said this. He said, it's very painful for a soul in heaven to get back in touch with what's happening on earth. But when your child wants to ask you a question, then you will do everything to hear him and give him an answer. So this custom of addressing your father after he is in heaven means that it is worth whatever pain the soul has to experience to reconnect with earth in order to answer your child's question. The soul is very real.